0: All right. Well, church family, once again, my name is Daniel, I'm the pastor here, and uh, we're going to dig into this series on the Sermon on the Mount. As you just heard, Miss Cece read that scripture. This is a good opportunity for me to let you know if you've got young kids, as we're going to be talking about lust, adultery, pornography, unless you want to have a long conversation with your kids, which I would often encourage. But uh, when I when I pray, if you're like, oh, my kid's not ready for that. Um... You can go to the back and see one of our ushers they can get your uh, child there checked in to forge kids if you've got a young kid in here it's like okay I'm ready for that so um we're on this series in the Sermon on the Mount and uh and this is perhaps Jesus most uh well-known teaching and and, and set of uh sermons if you will it goes from Matthew five to Matthew 7 and it's really about we say we got to change our language right because we often will say Jesus came into the world and 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 didn't Travel more than a few hundred miles away from his home. He, he never tweeted anything uh, or got on a camera or wrote a book or did anything like that. And he spent his time with 12 disciples and made more disciples, and yet he changed the world. And people often say he turned the world upside down. But we actually said that's wrong. That's wrong. It's bad language, right? we got to correct our language. Jesus came. The world had been turned upside down because of what sin had done in it. Jesus came and he turned the world right side up. And that's really what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. And he begins in Matthew chapter 5 with the attitudes of kingdom people. Those who claim the name of Jesus Christ will have this attitude, the be attitudes, right? Like to say, it's what your attitude should be if you're a believer. It's bad grammar, but good theology, amen? And, uh, and so he goes through, right? And, you, and if you have a Bible there and you're looking in Matthew 5, right, you see it. Right? It's, it's blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those who mourn, and, um, and those are the attitudes of those people who are Christians. And then he goes into, well, how do these people make an impact? And he says, these people make an impact because they're salt and they're light, right? And then he goes on to say, what is this that, that my people will have, kingdom people, what does their righteousness look like? He says, man, it's gotta go more than skin deep. And in fact, he says, it's gotta exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And if you know these were the religious leaders of the time, the most religious people, right? And he says, your righteousness has got to go deeper than theirs. And the people were like, what? How is that possible? These guys dress right, they talk right, they look right, they're just like perfect. Tends so to uncover. These guys might present that they're perfect on the outside, but not on the inside. And so my people get changed, kingdom people, Christians, believe it, they get changed from the inside, and it works its way on the outside. And so that's what's going on here. And then he begins to proceed to, to give us of different areas where people look good on the outside, but are really still corrupt on the inside. And so last week, we talked about anger, right? Pastor Caleb, boy, do y'all think Pastor Caleb did a great job last week? Man. I heard he let y'all out super early. And um so early he gave me extra time today. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my man Caleb right there. And so, appreciate that, brother. But 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 what he said was, he said, You've heard it say, Don't commit murder. And many times people will be like, I'm a good person, I haven't committed murder. But what Jesus begins to let us know is that murder always begins in the heart and that our anger with other people a spouse siblings co-workers puts us in a dangerous place before God and and is what leads us to murder and so you've got to cut anger off at the root and then uh, this week we're going to be talking about lust and adultery and the next week we'll be talking about um, uh, truthfulness and he'll go through the, the issues of giving he'll go through the issues of Prayer and 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 man, all kinds of things of true love and giving to the needy and and he'll go through fasting and how do you go to the heart of the matter not just to the exterior of the matter because many people want to follow religious rules or check religious boxes and Jesus says no, my people are people who love me with all their heart and they follow me with all their heart and so that's where they're changed from and so we're gonna begin uh, this passage here and I'm gonna take some time to pray right now and again for those of you who had kids that uh, need to get checked into Forge Kids, this would be a great time for you to just exit to the back where the ushers can help you. And so let's pray together as we dive into God's word. Father, thank you for the truth of the scripture. Lord, and sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. Sometimes it steps on our toes. But Father, you're the creator. You made us. You made marriage. You made women. You made men. And you know how we work best. And so we're submitting ourselves to our creator now in this moment. And not just in this moment, but every day, that our hearts could be in a position of submission to you, Father. And So God, we just pray, Father, that you be lifted up and glorified. And and if you're there in your seat, I want to encourage you, just right there in the quietness of your heart, just privately in your heart, have a little conversation with God, wherever you are in your spiritual walk. That's okay. Maybe you haven't you don't even feel comfortable praying, but you would just say something like this to God. Say, Lord, speak to me today. Just right there in the quiet, Lord, speak to me today. Lord, speak to me today. For I intend to obey. For Lord, I intend to obey. And Father, I'm asking for all of us, the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts to be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to begin as we're in Matthew chapter 5. I want to begin with a question that uh, was once said to me, and you let me know whether you think this is legitimate or not. Somebody wants, uh, here's the question. Is being married like being on a diet? Is being married like being on a diet? Because I can remember when I was a young man, and I'm walking over here because I forgot my water, and um, I'll be all dry mouth here. I was a young man, I was a teenager, and I was with a family member up in New York, and we were at a deli, and you know, New York delis just, you know, they got the glass. I don't know if you've ever been to New York deli, but I'm gonna describe it to you. But it's a glass case, and they got uh, goodies in their treats, you know, cannolis, all kinds of lovely desserts, but then they also got all kinds of meats and your hands and salamis and all that sort of stuff. And and we're in the deli, and I was with a family member, uh, a man who claimed that he was a Christian, and um and 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 would claim that he is a, a good upstanding citizen. And all these sorts of things, and and um, and as we were there at the deli, and an attractive young lady came in, wearing uh, you know very few clothes, and I noticed that he was staring, and and he noticed that I noticed that he was staring, and so he proceeded to say to me, "It's okay, man. Being married is a lot like being on a diet. You can look, just don't touch." And that's what I heard as a young man. You can look. But just don't touch. And part of me was like, hmm, that's kind of cool. And the other part of me was thinking, I know your wife. I don't think she would agree with that. And I I like your wife. And I think if she was standing here right now, this would go down a little differently. And I was confused and perplexed. And even though at that time I didn't know Christ, I wasn't a Christian, I hadn't heard Bible verses or anything like that, something inside of me was like, man, I just don't think that really lines up because it seems like that would be a hurtful thing. To do to somebody else and 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 uh, and I couldn't articulate all these things, but I want us to look through and answer that question and is is being married, or maybe if you're not married, you're here and single, is 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 being pure, like being on a diet. You can look, but just don't touch. That sounds kind of like how the Pharisees were. They were all about the exterior, good looking purity. They were good on garb, but poor on quality, if you know what I mean. They were good on making an impression in front of others, but poor on substance in their heart. They were great on the exterior, but poor on the interior. They had a lot of talk, a lot of rules, a lot of you shoulds and thou shoulds, but very few things about the inner life of the soul and the purity of what goes on in our hearts. But Jesus comes in, and where most people would like avoid sticky subjects, right, I love Jesus. Man, most people would avoid some subjects like this, like it's hot tar, right? Preachers don't want to do this. We don't want to talk about this sort of stuff and lust and pornography and adultery. And Jesus just jumps straight in, right? And he just cuts right through all the religious fakery. And he begins to tell us what adultery looks like. And and it's amazing. This is over 2,000 years old. And, and maybe you think, well, man, all the kind of problems we're seeing today, like we've uh, since April 2017, the Me Too movement has just sort of, man, taken... Uh, popular culture by storm. And many people are probably saying, man, this seems like a a new problem. This seems like a new problem. And Jesus would say, this problem's been going on as long as men and women have existed. No matter what culture they lived in, no matter what they wore, the issue of lust begins in the heart. And so how do we deal with this? In fact, as I did some research this week, uh, according to uh, a number of different polls, some will say... um, uh, one said over two, since April 2017, uh, over 250 high-profile leaders, meaning people in professional uh, athletes or politicians or professional media personnel, as in actors, actresses, or news anchors. Over 250 of them have been accused of sexual misconduct. Uh, some different sites would take that number into the four and five hundreds. One of the first was Bill O'Reilly and then was removed. And then, of course, many people have uh, heard of Harvey Weinstein and for how over 30 years, 30 years, he inappropriately abused women in the uh, business industry of actors and actresses. And it was quite difficult. And then, of course, Larry Nassar, the, the team physician for the USA Gymnastics. And then perhaps even... Uh, Which seemed to have shocked the world. A very popular and bright, cheery face on the morning show of Matt Lauer from NBC, and when his exploits were uncovered. And then it happens in all the other industries as well Google executives, Andy Rubin, Tom Ashbrook of NPR, Charlie Rose of PBS and CBS this morning, and we could go on and on and on and on. And where do all these things start? Well, they start in the heart. In fact, the title of the message is Affairs of the heart, because that's really where affairs begin. And so as we begin, what is lust? I think it's probably helpful to begin uh, with a, a, a definition or at least an idea of this desire. And I think the best definition is this. It's a desire gone wrong. It's a desire gone wrong. And people can lust over a lot of different things. Lust is not always just physical or sexual. right? People can lust over food. right? There isn't even a word called food porn. I mean, maybe you didn't know that, but it's legitimate. And, uh, and, and it's a desire, a good desire that God has given us, gone haywire, gone away from his design. The, the gift of physical intimacy and sex was created by God to be enjoyed by his people. Sometimes we think, oh, we got like this Victorian mentality, like, oh, sex is bad and good people don't do it or talk about it and all that sort of stuff. And that's not biblical, where God is unashamed to talk about he made him, so it doesn't make him, so it might make you and I squirm and get all uncomfortable, but it doesn't make God feel that way. It's his good gift, and in the boundaries of marriage, he said, is the right place to exercise that gift. In the same way, food is good, right? Food is not bad, and it's meant to be used appropriately in the boundaries of the right amounts and calorie intakes and all those sorts of things. So the same thing is true here. But lust is a desire that has gone haywire, and it does two things. And specifically, as Jesus talks about sexual lust here, it does two things, I think, that are harmful. And so if, if you want to think about these, it, it dishonors the object. It dishonors the object that it lusts for. It says, if, if a person is lusting after another person, it says, I don't care anything about you as a person. I don't care about your brain. I don't care about your heart. I don't care about your personality. You are an object to satisfy my desire. It dishonors the object. And that's that's what's wrong with with my family member sitting with me in a deli in New York saying, you can look, but just don't touch. And, and if I'm looking and staring, I'm using that person as an object. And that makes it really difficult to love people when you view them as objects, right? When you view them as objects for your pleasure, for your desires. Instead of a person to be loved, to be respected, to be encouraged, to be treated with kindness and dignity, you have worth. But no. And so lust is a problem because it dishonors that person. And then secondly, it's a problem because it disregards God's commands, right? I mean, essentially, God has said, hey, this is the appropriate arena for lust, uh, for physical intimacy, and for sex, and, and we've just said, no, God, I don't I don't think so. I'm just going to stiff-arm you. And so really, when we're dealing with the issue of lust, it's a disregard for God. It's saying, God, I don't care what you think. Even though you made me, even though you went to the cross and you died for me, I really don't care what you think. And so it's harmful to others. People say, well, it's not a big deal just by looking at another person or, or looking at pornography. I'm not hurting anybody. But you're damaging yourself you're damaging your soul, and you're dishonoring the king because he's given us instructions on how to operate. And again, it's treating that person as if they're an object. And so, yes, pornography does hurt people, and lust does hurt people. That's why it's wrong to look on them with lust. And so, all right, enough, enough of, let's just dig into the text here um, because I feel like um, that's really where we need to be because this is the word of God. Amen? Join with me in verse 27 so we can uh, navigate the text here and make some application. It says this, verse 27, you have heard, you have heard that it was said, this is common in this section of Matthew. You have heard it was said, what? You shall not commit, what? Adultery. And this is a quotation from the Ten Commandments as well as other places in the Scripture. And and these guys are quoting the Scripture when they say that. But they would just leave it there on the surface. And many times I think they would be like my family member who said, yeah, I'm not committing adultery. This is not a big deal. Just look and gaze and let your mind do whatever you want to do. And and you are clean. You you have met the, the letter of the law. But Jesus says, let's go to the heart of the matter. And so he says in verse 28, right? Verse 28, he says, but I, but I say to you. How is Jesus able to say, I say to you with this kind of authority? Because he is the son of God. He's God in the flesh. And he says, let me tell you what God really meant. Let me explain to you because your religious teachers have misguided you. Let me tell you what I really meant. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her, where? In his heart. This is revolutionary, right? I bet people, I mean, maybe you grew up and you've heard this verse before or heard something before, but I bet these folks are sitting around like, boom, my blow. I can't believe he just said that. Because I know, what's it, man? I, I know how he talks, I know how she talks, and man, this is revolutionary. And, and what Jesus is saying is being a kingdom citizen, being a follower of me is about being righteous on a heart level, not being some hypocrite who gives lip service to, yes, I uh, don't commit adultery, but in my heart I do all these things. And So one person has said it's a heart issue, not a body part issue. Another person said he's talking about adultery in your head, not just adultery in the bed. And so Jesus says every person who has looked at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her heart. And then look at with me at verses 29 through 30. It says this, 29 through 30, he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better to you, better, it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Verse 30, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body. Go to hell. Man, this is serious, right? This is this is a big deal. People are like, man, if we did this, let's just be honest. There would be every single male would have no eyeballs left, nor hands. And listen to me now. The issue of lust and pornography are not just issues for men to deal with. Women deal with them uh, often in different ways, but they still deal with these issues because it's not just a body part issue, it's a heart issue. And, and lust and desire for something that is not ours and, and, a, and a desire turned in the wrong way happens in all of our hearts, both men and women. And so I believe that he gives us some very practical steps here in this passage. I want to lay out for you to write down. And I'm going to use the acronym live because God, the Bible says God came so we may have life, not be uh, in freedom and bondage to lust and and to slavery, but that we might actually live. And so it's a little acronym here, L-I-V-E, and you can write down the first one here. How do we avoid temptation? How do we avoid lust? Number one, learn, that's the L, learn to flee temptation. How do we live? We got to learn how to flee temptation. The Bible tells us over and over Uh, to flee temptation, to just get out of there and run. In fact, maybe you're familiar with the old story of a man named Joseph in the Bible. He was sold by his brothers into slavery, and there as a slave, he did such an excellent job. He was left in the house by his master all the time, but he was left in the house with his wife's master, and the wife had lust in her heart. Allah, reminder that it's not just a male issue. And so she came after Joseph and pursued him on a number of occasions. And finally, he cornered, uh, she cornered Joseph. And she said, come to bed with me. And you know what Joseph did? Man, he just bolted out of there. He said, I don't care what I look like. I am running out the house. And she grabbed his garment, and he took off running. That reminded me of a story I heard about two pastors who were um, at a convention, and they uh, were getting some exercise and going for a walk, and they were uh, near the beach there, and, um, and they were talking kind of about this same story, and as they came up to the beach, they saw a young lady walking in front of them, and she was wearing a bathing suit. There was a one-piece, but it was like one piece of floss, if you know what I mean. Just, just like a V, just one piece of floss and a V, and, um, and, uh, and they, they walked up to her and these parts, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Is she going to look? Am I going to look? Are we going to look at the sand? And then one of the pastors just turns around and books it on the sand, just leaves the other guy. Another guy's just left standing there with this lady like, my friend just left me. Now I'm staring awkwardly at you. I don't know what to do. And, um, and, uh, and so he tells his friend, he said, hey, man, why'd you leave me? He said, bro, I just had to flee lust like Joseph. He's like, but what about, are you your brother's keeper? And he's like, I couldn't think about that, man. I just had to get out of there. Just took off running. But it's a biblical concept, right? 2 Timothy 2.22 says this. It says, flee, flee youthful passions. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so we are called to flee and just to run from these things. Now, let me help you and and help us um, because uh, there's a helpful uh, saying that, that I believe uh, is going on here because to just look at somebody is not the same thing as lust. Are you with me now? what well, you're saying can we look? Can we not look? Okay, to, to look and to acknowledge that someone is made in the image of God and, and has a, a beautiful appearance is not always lust. Look back at verse 28, right? Look back at verse 28. Jesus said, But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman, period. It's not what it says, right? No, who looks at a woman or we could apply this to the opposite sex, who looks at a person with what? Lustful intent, lustful intent. So to look is not always to lust. In fact, there is a very helpful organization that helps people uh, get out of the addiction or pornography, because just in case you didn't know, it is prevalent. It is rampant with kids, rampant in churches, rampant with men. And even women, and so it is X Church. No, that's not a bad website. XXX Church. They took the same marketing as the pornographers because you know uh, the pornographers have created all kinds of phony websites to trick people into going to them, and then you click on something that you think is innocent, and you're like, whoa, that's not innocent. And um, and so they created XXXChurch.com, and uh, they have a saying there as they help people get out of pornography. It says, look once, you're human. Look twice, you're a man. Look three times, you just disrespected your wife. Martin Luther, the old German reformer, kind of put it this way, and I've always, uh, this has been a very helpful thing to me. He says, How many of you can prevent a bird from flying over your head? None of us, right? You can't stop a bird from flying over your head. But he said, How many of you can prevent a bird from making a nest in your hair? That, ladies and gentlemen, is the difference between a look and lust. You're not going to stop seeing things, you're not going to stop, okay, noticing them, but it's what happens in our heart afterwards and then our mind begins to build a nest of things that are inappropriate that go on. That's the difference between lust and a look. And so the Bible is saying here, flee those things and deal with it swiftly and quickly. Look back at the text, right? Verse 29. What does he say? He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Many people have taken this uh, seriously and literally, but I believe Jesus, along with other passages, help us know He's saying, "Man, deal with the sin, and the sin is starting in your heart, and you need to get your heart in the right position quickly and severely. Don't play around with sin. Cut it out as soon as you can because it's deadly. It's not something to play with. You wouldn't play with a a deadly poisonous snake. You would get rid of it quickly, right? Perhaps a great example of this." Um, was in the movie that came out a few years ago called Fireproof, a movie about marriages. And the husband is dealing with an addiction to pornography. And finally, he's had enough of it. He says, I'm I'm done with this. I'm tired of feeling like this. I'm tired of disrespecting my wife. I'm tired of dishonoring God. And and I'm, I'm in this position. And I ask for forgiveness. And it keeps happening. And so one day, he just takes his whole computer up. Right? And he just gets out the door and he tosses his computer. And then I think he gets the bat, right? And he's just like, wah, 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 wah. And he's just smashing that thing. And he has little issues with his neighbor anyways. And now his neighbor just saw the whole thing. Right. And then he, he didn't know his neighbor was out there and his neighbor's looking at him like, Man, this dude is definitely crazy. I don't know what's going on in his life, but he's definitely crazy. But you know what? That's what Jesus is talking about. If it causes you to look foolish or crazy in order to get out from under the addiction of this. You need to deal with it swiftly and you need to flee it quickly. And so what does that mean? Don't subscribe to certain channels. Get rid of Netflix. If Netflix is an issue for you, get an accountability software on your phone or on your computer. And I don't mind telling you that as a man, I I grew up with an addiction to pornography. It was part of my family history. and, And I spent years addicted to pornography. And praise God, when I became a Christian, God delivered me from that. But I'm here to let you know as your pastor... That's still an issue, and, and and I'm just letting every man know, man, come, and, and I stand here ready to help you. You can send me a, you can put on a connection card. You can send me an email if, if you're afraid to let me know or let somebody else know. But we stand together to say, man, we're in this to help people get free of this. And I'm just telling you, I'm not telling you anything I hadn't had to do myself. I've had to just say, nope, not getting those. Nope, not looking there. No, not going there. And people are like, Mackie, why are you so weird about that sort of stuff? because I know the bondage that I was in for many years, and I'm not trying to go back into slavery. So y'all can look at me like I'm stupid, but I'm not going there with you. I'm not getting that magazine. I'm, I don't have those channels. Why? Because I'm so spiritual? No. Because I'm so weak, and I'm just tired of being a fool, getting caught in slavery again. I'm just seeking God's help. And so, man, we learn to flee temptation. Learn to flee temptation, appreciate that. Clapping for my addiction. All right. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know, I know what y'all mean. And and, and again, we want to continue to navigate this, which brings us to the next point. So, L-I, the letter is I, invite others to help you. Invite others to help you. We have got to get accountability. I have had to have accountability we must get accountability, invite others to help you. And this perhaps seems like the most scariest thing in the world. But can I tell you, just honestly, what's happened to me every time, every time I know I need to confess. And uh, and I'm like, man, I got to tell my brother about this. And it's like, oh, I don't want to do this. Man, they're going to look at me. They're going to judge me. They're going to get rid of me. They're going to hate me. They're going to say you're terrible and all this sort of stuff. And and then then I, I end up like, Sitting next to him, right? You know, I'm sitting next to a brother. I know i got to confess about something, and I'm so nervous and, like, trying to get it out and all that sort of stuff. You know what's going on in my brother's life the whole time? The same thing. He's under condemnation. He's just like, i got to tell Mackey about this. Man, I don't want to tell him. He's going to kick me out of the church. He's going to think I'm worthless. He's going to do all this sort of stuff. And both of us are struggling at the same time, and nobody will open up the lines of communication. And that's not just with sexual temptation. That's with all kinds of things. Some of us are under the weight of anxiety, and we need to get that off us. Of some are underneath the, the, the weight of emotional uh, issues and family issues, and we need to open up and get accountability in our lives. And there are brothers and sisters who are dealing with the same thing. that come along and say, man, I was struggling with that too. You too? Yes, praise God. Let's, let's move forward with this. And so get some accountability. Look again back at the verse I shared with you earlier, 2 Timothy 2.22. It says this. Flee the youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along, along with those who call on the Lord from where? Man, we, we get in community with others. I love how one preacher said, God can't heal it if you don't reveal it. And I'm here to let you know the power of the addiction resides in the fact that we're holding on to it and we're not getting it out. We're not confessing. And as long as we refuse to, to to hold it in and hide it, it will continue to have power over you. And that's any addiction. But when we get it out and we confess it, we begin to bring it into the light and we see, man, that thing was, I thought it was like a big lion, but it's not a big lion anymore. It's, it's a small little mouse. And with God's help and with brothers and sisters who love me, man, I can overcome this by the power of Christ. And again, I want to point you to if, if you're taking notes and looking for a great resource, it's XXX, that's 3 church.com No, won't put up anything creepy. Great resources there. Great uh, software for your computer um, and uh, great uh, small groups that they have there and, 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 and places where you can connect great uh, articles and things you can read. If, if you have a child who is dealing with this or a grandchild, you have a spouse who is dealing with this, there are just tons of great resources there. And so invite others. And and I want to let you know that, that again, especially in the society we live in today, this issue, while the issue in people's hearts has always resided there, technology has made it so much easier. Back when I was, some of you are like, back when you were growing up, you had to go to a special store. You had to get a magazine. Back when I was growing up, there was a little chip you put in your cable box and you could get all the nudie channels and all that sort of stuff. You just had to get that chip from your friend. You could watch it at any time. Flip the channels real quick. Now, all of a sudden, we got access to full-blown stuff right in our pocket. And any person who has that device, a a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old, has that opportunity to come across that stuff. And it's right there at their fingertips. And ladies and gentlemen, we, we need to know how to help our children, our grandchildren, and those we love with this. And so I want to encourage you to make this a matter of prayer, and and to have honest conversations, and don't let people struggle alone. Amen? And so L is learn to flee temptation. I is invite others to help you, and then V is verses in your mind and a plow in your hand. Verses in your mind and a plow in your hand. A plow? We'll get to that. Let's deal with verses in your mind. Because the battlefield is happening in our minds and in our hearts. That's where this battle is raging. That's where it's taking place. And, and and there are lies that are coming into us. The lie is, look at this and you will feel satisfied. Pursue that and you will feel better. It, it, it's calling you like the sirens from Greek mythology. And it's, it's calling you with this song saying, come. But it's a lie. It's deceitful. And so we must learn how to fight in our minds. Let's do a little practice, right? Because here's what most of us do. Most of us will get up in the morning and be like this. I'm not going to think any evil thoughts today. Right? Okay, so just practice with me. Okay? We're going to do a little experiment. Close your eyes. All right? Eyes closed. All right? Here. Don't think about a tree. What did you think about? A tree, right? This is like self-defeating. you got to take your mind. You can open your eyes now not a stick-up or anything like that, okay? Open your minds. Open your minds. (laughs) Open your eyes. Open your mind, too. All right. Okay, we just went new age here for a second. All right? Open your eyes. Okay, we we tend to think, I'm not going to think about a tree. I'm not going to think about evil thoughts. And whether your issue with with lust is sexual, I'm not going to think about these uh, perverted things. I'm not going to think about it. And, And you end up thinking about it. Instead, we need to turn our minds to the truth of God. I mean, I need to get my mind saturated with God's Word with the beauty of Christ, with, with the, the awesomeness of God's power, because these are really lesser things. And when I gaze upon somebody so amazing and so perfect and I, and I get the word of God in my, in my mind, I stop thinking about that. And now it is a battle, I will tell you that, but saying no. So, and this is what uh, one uh, Pastor John Piper wrote in an article. He says, saying no will not suffice. You must move from the defensive position to the offensive position. Fight fire with fire. Attack the promises of sin with the promises of Christ. The Bible calls these lustful, deceitful desires, in Ephesians 4.22, they lie to us. They promise more than they can deliver to us. The Bible calls them the passions of your former ignorance. We must stock our minds with the superior promises and the superior pleasures of Jesus. Then we must turn immediately from them after saying no. So here are a couple of verses I have used uh, in in my life. There are probably many more, but 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you or overtaken you except that which is common to man. In other words, all people are struggling with this. That's an encouragement. It's an encouragement to confess to a brother or a sister. And then it says this, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Or some translations will say to stand up under it. And when I memorized it back in the NIV when I was young, I always pictured it like Satan is trying to throw a net around me, right, trying to catch me in his net, like a fishing net. And then the end of that verse says, God will always provide a way of escape so you can stand up under it. I was pre- like, like Christ was lifting it up, like, come on out this way, you know, I got a way of freedom for you, you just got to follow me. So that's a great verse to memorize and put in your mind. Job 31, 1 says this, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Not to look lustfully at a young woman. That's Job 31.1. Then Psalm 63:3. Because of your stead, or because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. And again, we begin to fill our minds, we begin to fix our eyes on Jesus. And then uh, Pastor John Piper writes this: He says, This is where many of us fail we give in too soon. And we say, I tried to push it out. I tried to push out the thoughts that shouldn't be there, and it didn't work. He says, I often ask them, how long did you try? How hard did you exert your mind against this temptation? The mind is a muscle, and the more you flex it, the stronger it gets. Be brutal with it. That's what Jesus means by tear out your eye or cut off your hand. Be brutal with it. Hold the promises of Christ before your eyes. Hold it. Hold it there and don't let go. Keep holding it. How long? As long as it takes. For Christ's sake, fight till you win. Then he goes this. If there was an electric garage or a garage door coming down on your child and you were to run in there and hold it up and hold the weight so that your child could be free, how long would you hold the garage door? Until your child got out free. The same is true there. You would hold it until you could get help. You would hold it and hold it and hold it. Hold Christ, hold the truths of Scripture before your mind and set your mind, as the Bible says, on things above, not on the things of this earth. And so, verses in your mind. The second part is a plow in your hand. What does that mean? Well, as someone once said, lust often grows in the garden of leisure. Lust often grows best in the garden of leisure. If you're familiar with King David in the Bible, one of the greatest kings, the Bible says a man after God's own heart. It was after he had been so successful. And the Bible says, at the time when the kings went off to war, in other words, he was used to staying active and having his mission and his purpose in front of him, and now he had a bunch of free time. And he had too much leisure. And he was up on the top of his roof and he saw a young lady bathing. And instead of just looking and turning, he looked and he lusted. And he continued to pursue that, and he eventually committed adultery with that lady. Lust grows fast in the garden of leisure. And so he says, find good work to do and do it with all your might. Do not be slothful and zeal, but be fervent in the Spirit, says Romans 12. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, says 1 Corinthians 15. Abound in work. Get up and do something. Sweep a room. Hammer a nail when temptation is, is at your door. Write a letter to somebody. Fix a faucet. Call your spouse and do it all for Jesus' sake. You were made to manage and create and live life on mission. Pray for lost people. Pray for your family members. Christ died to make you zealous for good works. And so displace the deceitful lust with a passion for good deeds. And so put verses in your mind and put a plow in your hand. Get to work, right? Notice again, I've been using this verse, 2 Timothy 2.22. But it says this, flee the youthful passions. And then it says what? Pursue means go hard after. Go hard after what? Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Pursue those things. Don't just stand there right, and and be attacked by temptation, but get out of there and move away and pursue godly things. Then the final piece is this. So L, right, is we're going to learn to flee. I, invite others to help you. B is verses in your mind, apply plow in your heart, and then E is examine your pain in light of the gospel. What? Examine your pain in the light of the gospel. What do you mean pain, Pastor? Here's what we need to know. Lust is often, often not about sexual issues. Lust is about the brokenness in our hearts that we're using sexual issues as medication to try and solve. Because sex, especially in a modern technological society, is so easy, it's often free and cheap. It becomes the drug of choice for many people to feel better about the brokenness and the pain. We've got to get to the root of the issue. What is the root of the issue? Well, let's look at what the gospel has to say, right? The gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel declares we are all sinners. We are broken. We, we were meant to live whole and healed with Christ. In fact, something that we have talked about a lot here is, is the three circles. I think we got a picture of it, right? Um, where there is God's design, the way He created us to live in relationships with other people and in the world in perfect harmony with one another and love and peace and kindness. But sin has led us to a place of brokenness, and that's where we all live. Sin is at the root of all lust. Sin, and, and lust is simply one of those arrows trying to escape brokenness. But the reality is, you know as well as I do, sin and lust and 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 money and success and other relationships, we get out of the brokenness temporarily, and you know what happens? I Man, it just snaps us right back in, and and and, and we are stuck in our brokenness. And so, what is the cure for our sin? What is the cure for our brokenness? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has come down from heaven to earth. He died on a cross, and then he rose again. And our response, the good gospel means. Good news, freedom from the things that enslave us. And what is our response? We are to repent, meaning I turn from that, I turn from that lie, and I believe, I trust my life to Christ. And then we're on this journey of growing and going, amen? And so the root of lust is really sin. In fact, another author, John Bloom, writes this. He says, the driving force behind lust is frequently misunderstood. The human sexual drive, while strong, is not the dominant power in lust. Sin is the dominant power, and various kinds of sin seize or infect our God-given sexual desires in order to gratify our selfishness. This is why lust can be so difficult to fight, he says. Our sexual drive can be affected by many different kinds of sinful viruses, I like to call them, resulting in multiple variants of lust. What helps us fight lust one day may not help us fight it the next day, because a different virus is infecting the sexual drive that God has given to us. One common virus is coveting, the sin of coveting. Our rebellious and sinful heart and our nature finds forbidden things attractive to us, and we covet and desire them. Since sin infects our sexual drive, it is no surprise that we are tempted to lust after forbidden sex, as what happened in the story with Amnon and Tamar. Another virus is self indulgence. Self indulgence can manifest this way in, in any corrupted human appetite. In fact, self indulgence can be contagious. And he goes on to admit his own issues. I have found that when I sinfully indulge in one area of my life, like overeating or entertainment or laziness, I am frequently more vulnerable to sexual temptation when I have given in to that sinful area. A certain emotional state may also trigger. A desire to indulge when I'm feeling sad or even in the euphoria of success. Boredom is frequently an issue, especially for many young people who claim that they are bored. Self pity, when I feel pity for myself, I want to feel better, and so I look to sex or lust to gratify me. When I'm discouraged because my life is not going the way it is, when I'm angry, we could go on and on. He says a host of other sin viruses can infect us and become manifest through the sexual drive. Lust can be fueled by a desire to wield self-exalting or dominance or manipulative power over other people, as we've seen in our society by powerful um, politicians and those within uh, the entertainment industry. They want to exert their dominance over other people. So we go on. And So we can't just hide from the temptation. We have to come back to the gospel because there is a lie we're believing, and there's a truth that we need to trust Christ for. In fact, it was St. Augustine who dealt back in in, uh, the early 100s A.D., St. Augustine, who was uh, a bishop at the church at Carthage, North Africa. He says, carnal lust rules where there is no love of God, no treasuring of Christ. So what are we called to do? We're called to come back to the gospel. The beauty of the gospel says this, right? I love this. 1 John 1.9, we'll show it on the screen for you. The beauty of the gospel says this, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will what? Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from how much of our unrighteousness. See, the gospel says no matter how many times you have fallen, sir or ma'am, if you come to Christ, you come to Christ, He is able to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what it means to be a Christian, not to be a perfect person, but a person who is running to Christ and being cleansed by Him and by Him alone. And then I love what Romans 8, 1 says, right? There is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are wearing In Christ Jesus. And that's the beauty, and that's the good news, ladies and gentlemen, that you can share with your neighbors, with your children, with your spouse. That's the good news that we all need to hear as human beings, is that when you come to Christ, He can free you, and there is no condemnation when you come to Him. And when you come to Christ because He died on the cross and rose again and you submit your life fully to Him and you confess, He will cleanse and forgive you. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven. There is no lust that has gone on in your heart, in your past, this morning, this afternoon, that Christ cannot forgive. So what are we as a church and a group of people? We are but humble people who have a great need for Jesus Christ. So wherever you are, You are called to respond to God. We're going to have a time of response now here at the close of our service. The worship team will come up in just a few moments. And let me just encourage you to think through how you might respond. Again, maybe it's claiming the promises of Christ. Maybe you need a relationship with Christ. We'd love to help you with that. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's filling out the connection card. Maybe you want to do it just um, anonymously because you're struggling with an addiction and you would like our help. We'd love to, and, and myself, our elders, our deacons, we stand here not as people who have it all together, not as the Pharisees who are trying to look good on the outside, but as people who have sinful hearts and and are here to come alongside men and women to help them navigate what God has called them to do and how to live their life. And so let's pray together. You respond how God is calling you to respond. Father, thank you. Thank you for the beauty of the cross. Thank you for the freedom that comes only from Jesus Christ. Thank you that you're a God who forgives over and over and over and over again. And that as Romans 8 declares, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I know as, as there are people in this room who are struggling with addictions to pornography, there are people who are struggling in this room with lust. Father, there are people struggling, and as they come to you, I pray, Father, they would hear the truth of the Word of God that would say there is now therefore no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that every person here, We wouldn't make a run to be condemned. We wouldn't make a run to our family, to our friends. We'd make a run to Jesus Christ. And we would run into his arms and find them strong enough to save us, mighty enough to save us, to free us from our addictions and find them kind enough to forgive us and cleanse us. So wherever you are in your life situation today, Know that this is a church family that stands not ahead of you, but stands side by side with you. Ready to come alongside and help us all grow into the fullness and the freedom that God has called us to live. in. So Father, we submit ourselves to you during this time of invitation, but not just during this time of invitation, but also the times when we're alone, we're feeling pulled, towards temptation, we submit ourselves to you, Father, because you're good. In Jesus' name we pray.